0: Hello and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real, and informative, and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk Series 7, Episode 8. And by request, you have me again. I had lots of messages and a couple of emails, actually, which was really, really lovely to receive after last week's episode, saying how much you'd missed the catch-ups and um, just hearing my voice, and it was really, really what I needed to read, so thank you so much. And I appreciate you guys wanting me to come back on and chat and share. I guess the whole first half of this series was um, guests, and it's normally... Half and half, isn't it? Recently, it's kind of been more half and half, and obviously, in the very early days, it was just me. So, it's lovely to be able to share a little bit more and actually get to know you guys a bit more, answer your questions, and check in with you and just chat because this is actually a really lovely way for me to share what's going on. I mean, especially in lockdown when we haven't really been seeing out and about seeing people, um, especially until very recently, we haven't been seeing anybody, have we? So it's nice to be able to feel like I'm connecting with other mums. And of course, dads and carers and parents and whoever might be listening to the podcast. So today is going to be, I'm going to catch up with just what's been going on for the last week and what's happened, um, which isn't that much. And then I am going to answer all of your questions. And I have had some really great questions come through a lot of the same topics. So I've been through them all and I've put them all into um, little subjects. So, we can uh, hopefully cover them clearly and I won't jump backwards and forwards too much. Fingers crossed. I have just left Hendrik putting Amaldine to bed. I found myself getting a little bit short and maybe stressed, or I was rushing. I was rushing everybody. No one likes to be rushed, do they? I was rushing everybody because I knew I had this to do and I wanted to really give it my all this evening before I got too tired. Um, so yeah, Hendrik was like, just leave, just leave. We actually didn't quite say it that politely, but he was like, just leave. So I gave Rekha's good night and I, I I can hear them in the background just doing a little bit of story time and then Amaldine will go to sleep. She hasn't been sleeping brilliantly, unfortunately. We are at least, in fact, since the last podcast, actually, since Wednesday, when I said I'd been chatting to my friend about sleep, um, and she was telling us about how her friend's baby doesn't sleep very well. Amaldine seems to be not sleeping particularly well, but it's not kind of... She went through, I'd say she did four nights where I had to go in because it was like she had a bad dream and she woke up screaming and then she woke up asking for me. So obviously I went, um, I'm now in the other room again. It's been lovely. Actually. One of the, one of the great things about lockdown is and I have been back in the same bedroom because Hendrik hasn't been working. Normally right now he'd be on his summer roster, which always means I'm in the other room because he has to go to bed at like six o'clock in the evening because he's getting up at three o'clock in the morning type thing. And we just don't get to spend much time in the same bedroom. So that's been really lovely with lockdown, but I am now back in the other room um, (laughs) because Almondine has been waking up so much. And because of all of our white noise, and I know I've mentioned this before, but because Hendrik sleeps with white noise, Amundine sleeps with white noise, I can't hear Amandine in the bedroom if um, I don't have the baby monitor on. So I have to have the baby monitor on because otherwise I can't hear her hear her crying or I'm worried I won't hear her cry. So <laughs> obviously when she lets out even the tiniest of murmur, we can hear it. And recently, normally she sleeps solid all the way through the night, but recently she kind of wakes up. She either wakes up screaming, in which case I go in, or she wakes up, has a tiny little kind of like, and then it'll be quiet again. And I would actually definitely disturb her way more if I went in. Um, And then I'd probably wake her up, because I think when she lets out the small murmurs when she's crying, or not, she's not really crying, it's more of just a, yeah, like a little worried murmur. Um, it doesn't last for very long, and I think she's still asleep because I look at the baby monitor and I think she's still asleep. But because of me and I, and I don't know whether you guys have listened to my chat with Ali, my cousin Ali, when we were talking about fears of and what fears have come up for us as new mums. But I was very much saying that my main fear with Almudine, <laughs> which is ridiculous, especially when it's my own home, is having her taken. Um, crazy, isn't it? But that's my main fear wherever I am, even in my own, even in my own, uh, home, that's my fear. So whenever I hear a slight murmur, I have to turn the baby monitor screen on. Cause I can turn it off. I have to turn the baby monitor screen on. I have to check that she's still there. I have to check that I can see her. <laughs> uh, I hope one day that will pass a little bit, but I actually fear that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, But I'm definitely, and Hendrik and I have had these chats before, definitely going to be sending her to self-defense classes (laughs) when she's old enough. I actually think, I'm laughing, but I actually think it's really important. I think it's very important for um, girls and guys to feel safe whenever they're by themselves and that they have the um, tools and, you know, physical tools as well to tell someone to go away. (laughs) So to say I'm a little bit tired... Is probably an understatement, but I—I I, I mean, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad, but I am tired, and also, I know I talk about this every single week, and I'm so sorry, but <laughs> I'm going to talk about it again because it's just what is really happening for us right now. Um, is this whole trying to get pregnant again? Uh, And it really has played on my mind because I've been in that really shitty two week wait time, um, which is a really pants wait time. But I said to my friends when I saw her the other day, I was like, I feel more pregnant than I have ever felt. Um I was feeling like tugs in my tummy. I thought I had a bit of implantation bleeding, like bang on when I've been using a different app. I've been using Flow app rather than Natural Cycles. I think I mentioned it last week on the podcast. I've got some others which I'll recommend and um, which some people have recommended to me, and I've just just literally right now actually been having a quick look. Um and they seem to be really good. But I'll come back to that. Um so yeah, I said to her I've been feeling really, really pregnant. Tugs on my tummy what I thought was implantation bleeding um, halfway through, well, kind of around the day, I had a massive start of a migraine on the day that the Flow app said it would be implantation bleeding. So obviously I read into that massively and I was reading about hormone changes in your body when you have implantation um, and that it can possibly cause migraines. It was also the really, really hot day that we had last week. And was it Thursday? Would that have been Thursday? Yeah, possibly. Maybe on Thursday. So the day after the podcast, essentially. Anyway, I thought I could feel twinges in my boobs. But I was, of course, reading into every single possible sign. Every single possible sign. So a couple of days ago, I went to Sainsbury's and I bought one of those really early pregnancy tests that you can do from six days. Before your, I think it's like six days early, five days before your missed period or something. That's how they word it. So, yeah, it's a bit confusing, but it was a clear blue one. I took it, obviously, said not pregnant. And I said to my friend, I don't know if I would rather see a not pregnant or I would rather just wait for my period because I've just been waiting for my period recently and actually it hasn't really been too bad. But this time I thought I'll take the test because I'm really sure that this time it has worked. Plus, the ovulation, uh, the, the Flow app picked up a temperature change and said that I'd ovulated. Now, it unfortunately said that I had ovulated it, ovulated two days than before what it had predicted. So Hendrik and I weren't exactly getting down under the sheets as much as we possibly should have <laughs> um, that early. So it thinks that I ovulated really quite early in my cycle now um, I think today I'm getting the start of my period, which I knew would happen. I knew would happen, but you know when you just i mean I even so thought I was pregnant that I stopped or I was a bit more careful doing some things like I do a morning workout, I think I explained I think I said that on the last week's podcast, but I was doing lots of burpees. And I'm quite careless in my burpees in that I like slam my body onto the ground because it's (laughs) least effort than to slow a low lead to the ground. So I'd started doing like burpees from my, uh, I'd I'd come down onto my knees and do like a mini press up and then come into a burpee because I didn't want to be slamming my tummy down onto the ground. Which obviously when you're that early on in pregnancy isn't probably a big deal, um, but I still didn't want to risk it. That was how pregnant I felt. And now I'm getting my period, I think. This is probably way too much information, but it's kind of that discoloured discharge that you get at the beginning. I even had a lot more discharge and they say that's before pregnancy. Anyway, anyway, long story short, I don't think I'm pregnant, which is just uh, I'm trying not to get upset about it. Because I I mean I'm not. I'm not. Okay, maybe I am a little bit. Um, yeah, actually, no, I am. I am upset about it because I really thought I was. And I'd had some really lovely messages from some friends who um, had said, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. We're pregnant. And um, that was really lovely, really lovely. and really, really happy for them, obviously. And really lovely to um, know that it's working for them and just relaxing and not worrying about it too much and I really do try and relax I really try and relax but then when you kind of have that long two-week wait and it doesn't happen it's like you can't really relax anymore (laughs) and you know I have the pressures of Hendrik is uh, 12 years older than me so he is very much kind of in the mindset of now, you know, he doesn't want to be an old, older father. Um, I mean, he's really preaching to the wrong person here because my father was really a lot older, um, a lot, lot older. So he's really preaching to the wrong people, person. <laughs> um, but he's, yeah, very much saying like, we need to get pregnant now, it is, he doesn't want to wait too long, or wait too much longer, if it doesn't happen, it's just not going to happen, and I think he's still very much the mentality of, we got pregnant so quickly first time around, why isn't it being quick second time around, Um, yeah, so it's a really tricky one to deal with that as well, because I do feel that the pressure is on, because at some point I feel like he could turn around and just be like, nope, that's it, we're done, not trying anymore, which is obviously be devastating, and I don't want to force him into it, so (laughs) it's a tricky situation, but when, when, when it's, um, when I feel like, oh god, I really, really need to just relax, I need to just relax, I do also have other things playing on my mind, it's not just, um, you know, I'm only 32, but Hendrik's not, So that sucks. And I really feel for all of you who have messaged saying that you are struggling with the same thing. Um, I am with you. In fact, I'm with, I mean, I, I have, I'm so with everybody at the moment who has ever tried, who has ever struggled to conceive It is shit. It is really shitty and it's really shitty feeling like you're just constantly trying to conceive Like, yes, everything that they say is true. I mean, for me, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I can't relate to any of this, and that's great if you can't. Um, But if you can, like, I'm not enjoying trying to conceive. (laughs) I am not enjoying this process. I am not enjoying, you know, knowing that we need to have sex a lot. Um, I don't have a hugely high sex drive, and I just, yeah... I'm just not enjoying the whole process, it's just a bit pants, to be honest. The first time around was wonderful because we had sex, we conceived, it was really easy, it was lovely, it was fun, it was exciting, and this time isn't. It's pants. But I feel bad, like, I go to bed pretty much each night feeling really bad that I just don't appreciate what I have already. And I do, that makes it sound like I don't appreciate what I have. I do appreciate what I have. I have the most beautiful daughter. She is an absolute gem. Um, she is so chilled and she's incredible. And if you know, if we only had have Amandine, I will still count myself as the luckiest girl in the world. It's just never, it's not what I had planned. <laughs> this was not in the lifespan. And I'm sure there are some of you listening being like, Emma, just chill out. You've only been trying like since the end of last year. Just chill out. It could take ages. It could take a really long time. Just relax. Yes, I know. But every single month, there's so much hope that goes into it. And it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. And right now, I just feel like, curling up on the sofa, binging on all the chocolate in the world. And then, um, going to bed, but I can't even sleep that well. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is another thing about how pregnant I felt. Like when I was lying in bed, I felt really nauseous, just really, I mean, really pregnant. (laughs) What is my body doing? What is my body doing? There seems to be some mind-body connection that is making me feel pregnant and I am not pregnant. And it is really weird, really, really weird. Um, So that's that. Thank you for the ovulation stick mentions them, if you guys messaged me about that. I have been using them and I thought I would just touch on my experience with them. I'm not sure if I've shared on here recently what my experience with was. I've been using the clear blue ones um, with the digital smiley faces and I just haven't had a good experience with them. Um, I have either not tested enough when I have had the not the high ovulation, but the rising ovulation, rising level, almost ovulation face. I can't remember if it's flashy or non-flashy. But when I've had you there, you're almost there. Um, high ovulation. I think it's or high something. I then haven't continued to test, and I think you're then just like meant to test throughout the day, aren't you? But I have had for two or three times now, just like a solid um high ovulation. I never get to peak. And that was making it really difficult because I just didn't really think I was ov- ovulating. So that's the experience I've had with those and I've read a lot and I've asked a couple of Obgainis kind of what um their their thoughts are on it and they don't really think that highly of ovulation sticks. So I would use with caution, but if, I guess if you're using it alongside other methods, oh, interestingly, I was talking to a doctor friend of mine and she was saying that you're measuring your body temperature or your basal temperature, which is what you use for ovulation. If you're using one of the apps like Natural Cycles, it is not very, um, what's the word? It is not very, <laughs> oh God, I can't even get my words out. This isn't good, is it? It's not very predictable, it's not very, what is the word? It's not very accurate, that's the word, in the mouth. It's preferable to use another orifice. So (laughs) um, I guess that's vaginally or anally, which I haven't quite gone to yet, but I could. Maybe I will. Maybe I will, actually, and I'll let you know how it goes this time around. Maybe I will. I'll let you know. I'll let you know if I do it and if I have any success and if the measurement is a bit more specific. Because, yeah, she was saying that she sleeps with her mouth open, as do I, I think. Um, Which, again, if you take your temperature in the morning, your mouth is, I guess, cooler than what it would be if it had been closed all night. So I give that a go. And I'm also going to um, use... A couple of apps so I know I said to you that I've been using the flow app. completely ditched the natural cycles app that was just rubbish the flow app I've been really impressed with but you do have to pay for a subscription you get a month free trial and then you have to pay for a subscription and I'm not going to do that because I just don't have the money right now um there's also a couple that other have been recommended Ovia Ovia fertility app. I literally just downloaded that now. It's a little bit complicated to use, or the user face I wouldn't say is very good um, compared to ones like Flow, which are just really easy. But the OVIA one, I'm sure I'll get used to it. But apparently it's free. You do have to sign up, but I couldn't see anywhere where I was saying that I was gonna have to pay. I will check, <laughs> but I don't think so. Um, and what else? glow glow um for ttc and fertility tracking so have a look at those and maybe yes that's ovia glow and flow (laughs) f l o if you're doing flow it's not with a w give those a try Alrighty. so what else has been happening oh i gave amandine her first haircut I gave her her first haircut, which is really, really exciting. So Hendrik's been on at me to do this for ages because he just thinks it looks really messy. He likes things to be neat. Um, you can probably pick up a lot from his character from these podcasts. He likes things to be neat and it's not. <laughs> um, so he's been on at me and I really didn't want to. It was quite a mentally challenging thing for me to do, cut her hair for the first time. Um... I really couldn't bring myself to lop off those beautiful baby curls. And also, there's just, you know, you wait so long for their hair to grow and then you cut it. Some of my friends, and um, it's a myth online that if you cut it, it thickens and grows back thicker. So I have read into this online and apparently it's a myth. Apparently, that's not true. If you know otherwise, then please let me know. But apparently, it isn't true. I think it's a more even growth, which may make it feel or seem thicker because it's an even growth. And obviously, it's just healthier. Um, But I don't actually think it grows back thicker. I got a couple of... um, I got scissors online. I wanted to do it properly. And I thought, well, I'm just going to make the investment in some scissors. Now, I thought... (laughs) these are quite expensive but then I went on Sally's so I remember um next to a mobile phone shop when I used to when my mum used to go there when I was younger there used to be a Sally's next door and I always used to pester my mum being like can we go to Sally's can we go to Sally's I want to see if they have any hair clips type thing um and I always used to buy Stuff that I would never ever use, like hair colours and different brush and all that stuff. I was one of those stationery people as well, you know, you just hoard all this stationery and love stationery, but actually never have any use for it. And you set up when you're like, I don't know, six or seven, you set up a whole desk of staplers and paper clips and like an office and filing trays. Oh, god, filing trays! When I was younger, I used to love a filing tray. What the hell do you have to put in a filing tray when you're like seven or eight years old? Nothing. It was purely for play and games. And yeah, but that was the kind of person I was. <laughs> well, am, I suppose. Well, not now. Hendrik would say not now. He thinks I'm the most unorganized person in the world, which is true sometimes. It's probably getting more true and true, to be honest, because I just feel like my brain cells aren't working half the time. Um, But back to these scissors... When I went on Sally's, I think the scissors ranged from, like, £90 upwards to maybe £300 for a pair of hair cutting scissors. Now, if you're a hairdresser, obviously it's your career and you're going to invest in a beautiful, brilliant, incredibly sharp pair that give the best cut ever. But if you're a mum and you're giving haircuts in your back garden, <laughs> maybe not required. So I went on to Amazon, sorry, yeah, the dreaded Amazon. I went on to Amazon and I got these for, I think they were $23.99. Um, and uh, the brand begins with an M. But they're great, they're great. They come in, obviously, things that you don't need, or I didn't need. They come with like those thinning scissors that you cut, but I think it only cuts like half the hair. I think they're meant to cut in fringes. I think it's better if you cut a fringe with thinning scissors rather than having like a really heavy fringe for kids I don't know but the main thing that sold them to me and it was actually quite hard to come across these was they have a rounded tip so if Amandine turned her head and the scissors were there or something they have a blunt rounded it's almost like a little ball shape rounded tip and Amandine for me sat incredibly still she was amazing I put the highway rat on my laptop on top of the kitchen counter for her um, and she sat on one of our bar stools because her high chair didn't work, obviously, because her hair came onto the high chair, it just really hard to um, cut. And then I put her in her um, bib that she normally wears. It's just an Ikea bib that um, is like a sleeve one, so you put the sleeves on. We've got two of those, so I put one on like you would a hairdressing gown, kind of around the back, and buckled it at the front, and then put one on her front putting her arms through. So like you normally would to eat dinner. Put those on and then put a towel around the chair. Because I didn't want her to get any hair on because there's nothing hair on her. There's nothing worse than having spiky hair on you and I know that she'd really hate that because she hates having anything on her like a blade of grass, she hates it. Um and the scissors are great. I can highly recommend them. They're really really good. If you're struggling to find them on Amazon and you need hair cutting scissors, let me know. They come in a little case. They don't come with a comb or anything. Um They are perhaps, uh, I don't know, maybe there'll be others on there, but they were the ones I came across and I can vouch for them. They're really good. So I watched a YouTube video online, obviously. Uh, Oh gosh, I'll have to try and share it. If you want it, let me know and I'll share it. I will share it because I'm sure I saved it on YouTube because it was really, really good. Um, And it essentially showed you how to... It was a lady who was clearly a hairdresser giving her child her first haircut. And it was really clear what to do. And, um, yeah, it didn't take very long. It took, actually, the full episode of The Highway Rat, which is, what, like 22 minutes, I think? And that was me setting her up, um, bucking up the courage to do the first cut. It wasn't as bad as Hendrix. When I cut Hendrix's hair a couple of weeks ago that was terrifying because that was with clippers and I had no experience with, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any um, experience with scissors either, but at least you can hold the hair up and you can cut, right? I did take off a teeny bit too much. Well, not too much, actually. it looks brilliant, but um, more than I was expecting because I didn't cut in a straight line. So I then had to do it again. And Hendrik was like, you can't go any shorter than that. But actually if it, I need to remember this in the future. It's the bottom of her hair is quite curly, so on wavy, so it just it springs up into little ringlets. It's incredibly cute and thankfully they did spring back up into little wrinklets. Uh, wrinklets? Ring, wrinklets? ringlets. <laughs> ringlets? Ring ringlets? Ringlets. Ringlets. Thankfully it did. <laughs> because I, my main fear was that I was just going to cut all of these beautiful ringlets out of her hair, which I just would have been gutted. I would have been absolutely gutted. Um I know you're going to ask me if I did this, and I didn't. I didn't save any of her hair. Is that bad? Maybe I should have. Maybe I'll cut a bit off later. Maybe I should. A little. I have so many beautiful lockets, actually. I should probably do that. But it seems a bit gross, a bit weird. I don't know. Maybe I will. Um, I feel like it's one of those things I'm going to show Amandine in 20 years and be like, here's the first lock of your hair. She'll be like oh, gross, why did you keep that? <laughs> oh God, I think if I mentioned that to Hendrik, you'll probably all know his response to me doing that. Um, so yeah, it went really well and I'm happy with it and she looks cute. Um, I didn't cut in any fringe or anything like that because I'd like it to grow out, I think. Um, fringes seem a little bit, too much hassle for me and also she hates any form of hair in her eyes and I think that you know the minute the fringe needs some TLC also I had a really bad fringe cut in once when I stepped outside the hairdressers and the wind blew my fringe and it was way too short and it just went straight up you know when fringes just blow up and they don't sit on your forehead oh it was really bad really bad so I think I've just been (laughs) warded off fringes for a while and this was not such a fun thing that I did this week with Amaldine. I had to get a tick off Amaldine. Blah, gross. I've never, ever seen a tick on a human being before. I have seen ticks on dogs loads. We have a dog. Well, my mum has a dog that we have sometimes, and there's always ticks on him. Um, they they don't, well, they do actually gross me out because they get big really, really quickly, don't they, on dogs especially, maybe cats as well i don't know but uh this one it was weird because i found it in the morning and i'd given her a bath the night before and we had been to the beach the day before i i don't think we'd been on a woodland walk i i don't maybe we had but i don't know where that tick was that he managed to stave away from the water and survive and i moisturized her after the bath i just don't understand how i wouldn't have seen it unless it was really tiny but i mean i can spot things hendrik yeah i can spot things <laughs> um but i don't know where that tick was because i found it in the morning i was brushing her hair after a bedtime nap uh, after her nap and she, after her sleep not her nap, after her sleep and it was behind her ear but more in the hair um, but it was just at the bottom of the hair, like it literally just crawled up into the hair, and it wasn't big it was still really small, it was about the size of a very small freckle um and Who knows where it came from? But she was incredible. I don't know if she just knew she had one on her. I don't know. But I could see its little legs moving. Oh, it was disgusting. So gross. Got the tweezers. Did a really quick little look online just to double check the guidance because I've never pulled one off a human before. Um, and they say to grab the um, grab the tick as close as you can to the skin with tweezers and pull directly upwards gently. Um, and then... It says that the tick should release its grip, and you'll be able to get it out. It did not do that in my case, so I had to pull harder, and I had to kind of yank it out a bit. And there was a little bit left in, but I did manage to get it out, um, the rest of it out. I didn't have to dig; it was just almost a wipe of the skin. Managed to get it out. Now, apparently, the issue is, or this is what I've read: the issue is, is if they vomit back into the cut, that's where the Potential for Lyme disease comes in in any bacterial infection, because I once remember a vet saying, "Oh, you should spin them round in a circle; they'll get really dizzy," or um, cover it in Vaseline, and it apparently suffocates them so they can't breathe, so they then have to let go. But what I was reading was saying that if you do that, both of those things, there is a potential for it to vomit. Back into where it's biting, and then that is where you can potentially have the bacterial infection or possible Lyme disease. Now, obviously, you can get that from the bite, I'm sure, um, but it just doesn't help. <laughs> correct me, please correct me if you think I am giving you dud information, but this is what I've read on the NHS and online. Um, so they also say to look out for if it gets red or, you know, um, the dart board, what's it called, bullseye type thing, or if she starts feeling unwell or fever, then of course take her and get antibiotics. Interestingly, I was talking to a friend who was advised to just get antibiotics anyway, but I don't really want to do that um, if there's no need. So... I have been just really keeping an eye on Amandine and, um, and will continue to do so. So I've made a note of when it bit her and when I got it off, uh, and, uh, I'll just keep an eye on it. But yeah, gross. Make sure you check your kiddos, especially as you guys probably see on Instagram, we do loads of woodland walks, loads, um, almost one a day. So I was expecting it, but, um, I've never had one and it makes me think, or I've never had one that I've seen. It makes me think I must've had one because if she can get one, (laughs) then surely I can, Um, and I've spent my life doing woodland walks and walking up on Dartmoor, so I feel like, I feel like I'm due one, in all honesty, but blech, my sister's boyfriend gets them all the time, they do lots and lots of trail running, and I think they do like to clamber up the hair, don't they, Um, just one pro for shaving your legs, I suppose, ladies, What else can I say? Um, Oh, I wanted to say, I meant to say this at the beginning, actually. That probably makes me sound really ungrateful. But thank you so much to all of you who went on and reviewed um, the podcast after my little plea about who left me (laughs) a one star or some one star reviews. We're back up to a five star rating. So thank you so, 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 so much for taking the time to do that. I really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. And for all of your messages saying, who the hell would leave you a one star? I I am, I'm totally okay with the podcast not being for everybody. Of course I am. Like it's not, not everyone is going to be into this level of waffle and not everyone is going to be in for non-factual information. Like I know my husband wouldn't listen to it because it's not factual. Personally, I love to hear about other people's experiences is what I can relate to. I'm not really a lover of facts because I feel like everybody's different. And the more experiences we can hear, the more, variation of reality and, you know, what's real for someone is not real for that. You know, you know what I mean? And I love experience and that's why I like this kind of podcast. <laughs> um And I get it's not going to be for everyone, but I just, I don't know, I would never leave a one-star review ever because I just wouldn't listen again. I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't. Anyway, anyway, let's get on to answering your questions because half an hour in and I haven't done it. <laughs> so let's, let's get through these questions. And there are some brilliant ones. I'm going to leave there a few, which are about me personally, um, and kind of about my history and life. So I'll leave those to the end. Cause if you're really not interested in that, then you can just tune out. Um, and I don't know, catch up with it later, or maybe not. So has Amandine ever suffered with separation anxiety after lockdown my 18 month old won't leave my side. There's been quite a few on separation anxiety questions. So I'm not sure it's separation anxiety as such. I wouldn't go as far as to label it as that with Amandine, but yes. And I wrote a post on my Instagram, my, my, um, Emma Jolan Instagram about this earlier in the week. We are a hundred percent noticing ish. Um, well, changes in her character, which have of course come from lockdown. You know, we've been almost four months without socializing with kids, um, with only being with us as in Hendrick and I, um, the occasional visit to see my mum uh, and my sister, but not, you know, I, in fact, today I took her to the post office for the first time cause I had to return something and she hadn't be, she hasn't been in a shop for four months and you could see her little face was total overwhelmed. Um and she doesn't do the set she doesn't do the food shop with me or anything. Hendrick keeps her at home. We're lucky enough that we can do that because Hendrik is at home. Well lucky on some hand not lucky on the other but um she's able to stay at home. But when I'm with when I'm out and about with friends and I did talk about this last week in the podcast so go and have a listen if you haven't already but when I'm out and about now she wants to be carried a lot. The minute um, I'm talking to another person, whether it's someone I know or not, she asks to be picked up, and then she taps on my shoulder and she goes, "Mammal, mammal, mammal." And I don't know whether that's "mammal, mammal, mammal" give me attention, or this is my mammal, this is my mammal, this is my mammal. Um, it feels like she's trying to tell the other person that I'm her mummy, which is very cute. But I also think that um, that could be a sign of what you might class as a type of separation anxiety. She won't go very far, of course. um, And she wants me to be doing everything with her or Hendrik everything with her. Um, Occasionally, if we go to the beach, she'll walk a little bit further away from us on the beach, uh, which I really, really encourage. Obviously, keeping her an eye on her trying to encourage a lot more independent play we're trying to get out of the house a lot more and trying to take her to different places a lot more so she starts to feel comfortable trying to socialize her a little bit more now that we can see other people um and i'm really hoping that sometime this week i'll be able to take her on a little bit of a play date and go and play in one of my friend's gardens who's got a kid as well but yes we are definitely seeing changes in Amaldine or progressions Let's say progressions in Amantine's characteristic or character, uh, which I wouldn't have said would be the same if we hadn't had lockdown. Um, So yes, and I think we're all very much in the same boat. And I don't think we're just going to be seeing this with toddlers. I think that we're going to be seeing this with older children as well as they go back into school and then obviously have the summer holidays. And then we'll be going back into school in September or so. Um, weaning what's your go to meal and snacks well it changes all the time all the time so go to morning this doesn't change actually unless I'm feeling like pancakes and then it does change to pancakes Um, pancake recipe by the way I think I put on my Amazon account so go check that out if you want a yummy pancake recipe which is really yummy and not bland and it's not bland at all it's yummy Morning is porridge, so I do oats with um, oat milk in the morning or almond milk, whatever I have, unsweetened. The oat milk we use is the barista version because it's got more added vitamins and minerals and things like that for kiddos. Um, SR Nutrition has great, Charlotte Sterling Reed has uh, lots of great posts about alternative milks if you want to be using an alternative milk. And we give that to her with either ginger... Or peanut butter. She loves ginger grated into her porridge and it's actually really yummy. So if you haven't tried it, you must. It's really yummy. That's breakfast. Sometimes she'll have some raspberries with it. Sometimes she won't. Um, she used to have blueberries with it. She now won't touch blueberries. So this is what I mean by it just changes all the time. Her go-to meal for dinner or lunch or whenever was always sweet potato coconut chickpea curry with spinach. Um, she won't eat that anymore, she won't even touch it anymore, in fact she won't even touch sweet potato anymore, she is not having that, but she'll eat broccoli and she'll eat green beans and she'll eat peas, peas, oh my goodness, she will literally have a bowl of peas and that would be heaven for Amandine, a bowl of peas and sweet corn would be literally heaven, I would say that they're Amandine's favourite foods actually, peas and sweet corn and raspberries, <laughs> because for those of you who don't know we have a raspberry bush in our garden and amandine is worse than the birds i literally catch her if i lose sight of her for like a minute she's down by the raspberry bush picking the raspberries and eating them she's actually had a really upset tummy- well not really upset tummy but a bit of a looser stool for the last um few days and it's definitely the raspberries 100 <laughs> percent the raspberries um So her lunchtime, lunchtime, we have been giving her recently like little wraps filled with lots of vegetables. So grated carrot, cucumber, um, tomatoes, avocado, uh, maybe a bit of feta occasionally. Uh, What else goes in her? Pepper. She loves pepper. Uh, And salad. Yeah, she picks out the salad. She picks out the lettuce. Fair enough doesn't taste of anything um and that's what she'll have and then she might have like a corn on the cob she likes to be like a hamster just eating her corn on the cob it's very cute and I bet it's really nice for teething actually if you've got a teething baby um or you know not baby baby but a teething weaning baby maybe give them a, a corn on the cob perhaps I don't know depending on age Don't don't want them choking on the sweet corn, but it is really soft, of course. Just make sure you overcook it a little bit. So they're our go-tos at the moment. Um, For dinner, what do we have for dinner? We sometimes do like um, almost like a a bolognese, but not with meat. So it would be either with mushrooms and then the same. So the mushrooms kind of replace the meat uh, for a bolognese sauce or... Um, lentils. The lentils replace the meat for a bolognese sauce. That's a really easy go-to. You can serve it with rice or pasta. Same thing. You could do like a chili, a mushroom chili, or a um, or a lentil chili. But honestly, believe me when I say this: Amandine eats what we eat, and has done from day one. She has done from day one. I ha- I've never. I don't think unless we're doing like a we're going on an outing and she's having a packed lunch. I have never made her something different obviously the really, really early days when she had pureed stuff. Yes, it would be different, but, um, I haven't made her different food to us. She just eats what we eat and it's been the most easy way of weaning because I just give her a little bit of what I have mushed up or cut up or yeah. Yeah. We eat with her, though, so that does make it a little bit easier because we eat with Amaldine. We eat, or we used to eat at 5, then 5.30. Now we eat kind of 5.45, 6 o'clock. Occasionally we'll eat at 6.30. If she's going to have a bit more of a late bedtime, we'll eat at 6.30. Or if I've been out, um, we'll eat at 6.30. So I'm really also trying to get Amaldine a lot more uh, relaxed around timings um, because she copes really, 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 really well. We were at my mum's house the other day, we all didn't eat lunch until like 10 past one. She didn't nap until about quarter to two. And she was a pro. She slept until like half past three, quarter to four. Um, Oh no, hang on. Quarter to two, quarter to... Yeah, in fact, quarter to four. She napped until about quarter to four and then got up, we played, and then she went to bed about quarter past eight. It means you have less of an evening, of course. But um, she was great. She didn't want to go to bed. So, but I, I always want to try and get her to have that nap. I don't want to get into the habit of her not having a nap because I don't know when I would get anything done if she had a nap, if she didn't have a nap. Okay, um, pregnancy yoga, hypnobirthing, positive birth. Oh, yes, I do want to talk about more about this. Um, and yes, I do want to do more pregnancy yoga. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way of making this podcast more, because I really feel like the community that we have here is just really beautiful, and um, I wish there was a way that we could all connect with each other, and I could also share a lot more with you, Um, that being some pregnancy yoga stuff. If you are looking for pregnancy yoga, I did some bits for the Positive Birth Company, the Hypnobirthing Company, um, run by, well, founded by Siobhan Miller, who's a dream, and... Um, did some on their YouTube, so they're they're literally snippets, I think they were like 20 minute sessions and we did them live right at the beginning of lockdown, Uh, kind of similar thought to P with Joe type thing, Um, and there are a few on there if you're looking for pregnancy yoga, but yes, I would like to do some more, Um, and it's just getting them available for you, so just wait and see, but on the side of Uh, My experience with it, I had quite an intense yoga practice before I got pregnant. So a lot of the things that I was used to doing didn't actually feel good in my body doing when I was doing pregnancy yoga. So I didn't actually do a huge amount because it just didn't feel very nice. And I think my ego probably had quite a bit to do with this as well that I kind of thought, well, better off not doing it. But I think if I ever get pregnant again, I will do more um, because I don't have that attachment to yoga anymore and particular um poses or positions or things that I really enjoy doing. I just don't have that attachment anymore because I haven't had time for them anymore. So yeah, I think um I haven't I haven't like done a handstand in what three years almost. So I just uh yeah. I think if you want to do it and you're looking for something that encourages a mind-body connection. Um, I would definitely recommend yoga, 100%, 100% recommend yoga. Um, However, we'll let you into a little insight (laughs) that I've found, uh, which I I think maybe I discussed a little bit with Ali, my cousin, because she's also a yoga teacher. Um, But one thing that I found from being so... having such a strong mind-body connection... Um, Through yoga, through a lot of the work that I've done, a lot of the trainings that I've done, a lot of the personal work that I've done, sometimes it can have the opposite effect, which I assume is all part of the work in itself, but I end up with a lot of quiet time, or in the quiet time, I end up being in my thoughts a lot, almost too much to have a negative effect, I would say, rather than a positive effect. And I'm sure that is all of the work, but when you're trying to <laughs> have a toddler running around and give your time to them and also give your time to your husband and also not get dredged down too much by all of your thoughts and your learnings and breaking down patterns and all that kind of stuff. Which I won't go into, but maybe it's another podcast episode. Let me know if you're interested. I'll go into it a little bit more. Um yeah, it can it can um weigh you down a bit. So go into it mindfully, that's what I would say. Uh and embrace the mind-body connection and it just encourages you to feel. Pregnancy yoga encourages you to feel, it encourages you to connect and it gives you that space, that opportunity to sit to take on board what your body's going through, to listen to your body, to obviously move a little bit in your body, um, and to feel, to feel, 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 feel everything that is going on and to become a lot more in tune with your body, which I think benefits, benefits, benefits labor and, um, birthing your baby hugely. And yes, hypnobirthing absolutely, alongside pregnancy yoga. Absolutely. In fact, a lot of pregnancy yoga teachers also study hypnobirthing. I haven't, but a lot do. But I would say if you haven't yet done it, the Positive Birth Company hypnobirthing course alongside some pregnancy yoga would be wonderful. And I do believe that their online course now does have some pregnancy yoga, or maybe that's post their postnatal course that could be postnatal course actually one thing that I read in the news um this week which I was expecting if I'm honest but I found it really hard to see was I think postpartum depression has tripled in the lockdown period which is devastating it is absolutely devastating please reach out if you feel um that might be you, please, please, please reach out. And, um, I'm, I'm, I want to try and do something. This is why I really want to build on this community because we can just benefit from chatting with each other so much. And you're not just listening to my voice. You can benefit from listening to each other's. And there'll be some of you that resonate with what I'm saying. There'll be some of you that don't, but there will 100% be someone listening to the podcast who will resonate with your experience and you will resonate with theirs. Maybe it's not mine. So it would be really nice to try and open up this space to everybody. I'm just trying to figure out how in a manageable way where I can keep it going (laughs) and um, keep it going for a long time because it's incredibly important that we all have each other. Yes, it is. Okay. Right. Keeping going. Pelvic floor, suddenly struggling. My little one is one month older than Amandine. Yeah, no, I get that. I've heard that a lot actually. Um, I haven't had too many issues. In fact, mine's got a lot stronger since I started working out. So I had really bad back pain and that's what started me to be like, right, I'm going to start working out again. Um, which was at the beginning of lockdown and I literally would stand up from a chair and I would have to give myself a minute to try and like stand fully upright I have horrific posture anyway but it was down to I think not doing lots of yoga and also um pregnancy so but since working out I've noticed that when I started at the very beginning of lockdown I started skipping I didn't leak but my pelvic floor felt very very weak and very uncomfortable and I just felt everything was flopping around in there now when I skip solid as a rock so um I haven't done anything particular with my pelvic floor. I don't believe I had any diastasis. I think that's what you call it, the ser- the abdominal separation. Um, when I went to have a postnatal checkup, um, women's health checkup, she said I hardly had anything. So um, that's really, I think that does also uh, affect pelvic floor. If you haven't had one of those, I think it's really beneficial too. But there are quite a few apps and things um, to help there's an nhs one which of course is free i think it's called squeeze and there's also things like the lv pelvic floor which you use internally and it takes you through exercises um, perhaps revisit those and see how you're getting on maybe your lifestyle and also maybe the time of the month because i 100 feel that my pelvic floor is weaker when i'm expecting my period 100 percent 100%. So um, maybe just give yourself a break from things where your pelvic floor feels like it's struggling um, around your period. Um, because you know, our bodies soften, don't they, around that time. So, And also just seek out, don't be afraid to seek out some advice from a women's health physio or your GP reusable nappy journey. Can you take me through it? I feel like this is a podcast in itself, but essentially really, really quickly running you through it. Um, we started, I would say when Amandine was maybe five months. Does that sound about right? (laughs) Those of you who've listened to the podcast before, does that sound about right? She needed to be big enough to wear them (laughs) because she was, she was normal. She was seven pounds something. Um, and but they were just massive on her they were massive and now we've got the opposite problem actually but they were massive on her so we didn't use them to start with we used eco by natty and pampers pure and uh kittenkin really good i really like the kittenkin ones so we used those and um to start with, but they're really great. Once you get into the habit of them, they're easy as They are so easy, especially when you get past the runny poos. When you start weaning, poos start to solidify a little bit. It's really easy. Make sure you use a liner with them, get a fleece liner. The brands that we have are Top Spots. They're brilliant. Bambino Mio, they're brilliant. And um, Baba and Boo, Um, really, really great. I would recommend all of them. Um, sometimes some fit better at other times than other times. Um, some are poppers, some are Velcro. Uh, most of them have liners, which you can pad up or you can shrink down. We have night ones from Totspots. The night ones from Totspots are brilliant. I have a YouTube. I think I have a YouTube on reusable nappies. Um, taking you through them all, so go find the YouTube. I think it's Mum Talk. God, I haven't done a YouTube in ages. So, yeah, it's on there somewhere. Um, but they're really brilliant, and make, just make sure you get a fleece liner because when you do a poo, you can literally grab the fleece liner, shake it off in the loo, flush it down the loo, then put the whole thing in the nappy bin. So you put them in the nappy bin, you can put them in a bag, um, and then you do up the bag and you throw the bag in the wash um, and it's just washes itself. It's easy. And they come out nice and clean. Personally, I don't do a pre-wash. I just do one normal wash. We have a washing machine that has an allergy plus setting. So it just makes everything really, really clean. Um, and I just do one cycle on that. Make sure you're not using liquid, uh, liquid, um, detergent. You want to be using powder detergent. Um, I don't know about the eggs that you can put in. I'm not sure about those. I don't use them, but um, we use a powder detergent. Uh, Non-bio, of course. What else can I say? We also use cheeky wipes. Cheeky wipes are brilliant. We use those all the time. Um, Love them. We use them for wiping face and hands after mealtimes as well. I have some for mealtimes and some for bums for, yeah, bumps. I don't intermix those because I think that's gross still, even when you can wash them. <laughs> but I just do think it's gross. So I, um, yeah, wash them. I actually am sitting right next to a whole load drying right now. And I don't think you have to dry the cheeky wipes all the time. I do, Um, But I don't think you have to. They dry so fast and they really do clean. And I know people worry about getting poo in their washing machine, but it's just not the case. (laughs) And you can always do a quick wash cycle of your drum if you need to. Um, But I don't. but super simple. And once you get into the habit, it really, really is easy. Even Hendrik embraces it sometimes. Uh, I don't force him to though. We do. So right now we're kind of using, I would say probably in all honesty, 60, 40, 40% reusable, 60% not because the reusable ones that we have are getting quite tight and they leave marks on her hips, um, which I don't really like. And she's clearly a little bit uncomfortable in them. Um, and she's, Close to the age of potty training, so I don't want to invest in more reusables. I know this is not the most environmentally thing to do, environmentally friendly thing to do, but we've really given it our best shot, and we've done a lot, and we've saved a lot of nappies from going in the landfill. Um, so, and we still are doing a little bit, but at night time, she doesn't sleep in her big one because it's just it's just too big now. Um, well, it's too small for her, and also too big. It's too big at night time so it doesn't fit her if you see what I mean um, but yeah I would highly recommend giving it a try absolutely give it a try buy one of each brand first see which fits your little one best um, buy a couple more do it slowly slowly but surely see how you get on I would um, what else have we got here best prezies for a one year old my daughter was born on the f- on September 5th ah good birthday I want Dean was born on September 4th um, best prezzies. Amandine loves that mini, mini, mini kitchen that we got her. It's from Kidley. Uh, if you go on my Instagram, Emma Jolain, I recently posted a pic of her nursery, her like little play area, which is just downstairs in our kitchen. Um, my Instagram is Emma Jolain, which is E-M-M-A-J-A-U-L-I-N for November. Um, I would also say... Her little walker thing, my mum got her, um, and some Brio blocks, that is really good. Uh, Books, love books. Um, Hendrik got her an aeroplane, like a little aeroplane that she sits on and walks, but she's quite short, so she couldn't actually use it for quite some time, and actually she's only really just getting into it now, so I would say that's more of probably a one and a half, two year old present, Um, but she, she does quite enjoy it now. Uh, What else, one-year-old? What else did we buy her? Paints, things like that. Just anything sensory. um, Maybe a playmat. A really good present. Um, But yeah, don't go overboard because you've got a lot more years of birthdays (laughs) and ones that they will actually probably know what they want. Um, So we kept it pretty small. Uh, Tips of coping with trouble conceiving. I don't have any... don't have any, and I'm not going to tell you to relax because I'm not doing a good job at that. Um, Just talk, talk to people, talk to me, talk to your partner, Um, talk to family and friends. Just, yeah, don't keep it bottled up. It doesn't help anybody. And uh, maybe try an app, if you want to try an app. I also did try and reduce dairy a little bit. Some people messaged saying that dairy um is an inflammatory, which I knew anyway, but maybe reducing it would help. Um and also just making any note on any lifestyle changes. Perhaps uh I asked Hendrik to make a couple um i've been trying to stay really fit and healthy but uh tips for coping with (laughs) trouble conceiving yeah went a bit off topic there um yeah i I really don't have any just talk i think talk as much as you can to people and let people know how you're feeling i would that's what i'm trying to do anyway uh early potty training 17 months oh god yeah well we tried that too and it's really backfired it has really backfired on us. Before lockdown, she was basically almost potty trained. And uh, I don't know why, but lockdown happened and she started just refusing the potty completely. So we removed the potty. We then got one that you put on the loo. We got the potties out again a few weeks ago, and she still refuses to go on the potty. She said she needs a wee, but she sits down, she stands straight back up again. It is 100% backfired on us. So I would highly recommend really not giving it a go unless you are absolutely certain that they are ready and that you can follow it all the way through because we seem to have gone half assed into it and she was great she loved it she loved doing it she did poos on the potty she did wheeze on the potty almost every single time and now I can't even get her to sit on it for five seconds um So I'm not going to share any tips (laughs) that I thought I had because I don't have them. Um, And all the research I'm listening to isn't helping one little bit. So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. When I have more information, I will let you know. Early morning wake-ups, did you experience them and how did you get past it? Four months. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely. Four months. Gosh. I mean, my view with Amandine was if she woke up and she did, she would wake up I don't know, three, five, six for milk. Um, and I would just feed her and that's just the way it was. I I still am a firm believer, but very, very much so in the early, early, early days, I 100% listened to Amaldine. If she needed and she woke and she needed milk, that's what she had. If she woke, she probably did need milk or she needed comfort, that's what she got. Um, I'm a firm believer of just let the baby lead you, let them guide you, give them what they need. You can't over coddle a, in fact, I hate that word, but you can't give too much attention to a baby. I don't believe at that age. Um, and there's just not much sleep to be had at <laughs> that early on. Um, so we did get past it. We absolutely get past it. Uh, everyone gets past it um but i didn't i didn't do anything in particular to get past it i just listened to Dean and it was a stage and we were out of that stage in no time and i'll tell you what now i would give a lot to go back to those early days breastfeeding and waking up and being in that days because i miss it i never thought i'd say that but i do it's hard it's bloody hard but i miss it i do and I'm looking forward to it if I ever get pregnant again. And I'm lucky enough to have another baby. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for those early mornings um, and those night breastfeeds. I'm going to lap it all up. If I'm still talking to you then, you'll probably have to remind me that I said that. Because <laughs> I can imagine you all being like, Emma, you said that you were going to lap this up. Um, What else? Oh, the last few. Okay. I think we have covered, um, all of the ones that went into all of those. Yes, we have a couple of more personal ones. Did I go to university and where and what did I study? Yes, I did. Um, I went to Bristol UE, which is a university business school, essentially specializes in business, I guess. Um, And I studied business management. I actually surprised myself entirely. I stopped drinking about a year, no, about six months before I went to university because I knew that I needed to really get my head down to come out with something decent. I fully surprised myself and came out with a first. (laughs) Can I remember any of my degree? No, I cannot. (laughs) Do I use my degree? No, I do not. Well, I mean, I guess I do a little bit. I run a retreats business. I do this, but um, I wouldn't say I'm using anything from my degree right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what happened. And I since uh, after that, I worked in um, well, I came out of uni- university and worked as an estate agent, which I hated. And then I went on to do freelance experiential marketing. And then she asked me to move and go and work permanently in the office. So I did and did some, uh, well, i worked there for quite a long time. Then I met Hendrik and I decided to quit and study yoga. So I did um, because that was a easier career to have um, with a husband who is a pilot because they have very odd schedules and we ended up not being able to see each other ever. So, um, I decided I needed a job where I could be fairly fluid. So that's what I did. And I love yoga and I've been practicing for a really long time on and off, um, and then got into a consistent practice and then went to study it and, um, always studying it, I guess. Uh, but it's, it changes. My thoughts on it change a lot, especially in the world that we live in and the yoga that we see on a day-to-day basis. Um, So yeah, kind of in limbo with that at the moment, just seeing where my head's at with it all. But I teach still, lots of, um, quite a few private clients um, and I run, I used to run retreats before Amandine, which I will hopefully do again. And I run uh, workshops I used to, again, we'll hopefully do it once COVID is out of the picture. And of course, mum talk events and this. Um, so it's all quite fluid, what I do. Uh, how did I meet Hendrick? Well, this is an odd one, but yes, how did I meet Hendrik? Um, we, not an odd question, obviously. It's just completely random how I met him. I used to do some mono skiing up at a lake in Bedfordshire called Box End Park. Um, Hendrick did wake skating up there on the cable. And I was recently out of a very long-term relationship with um, a lovely man. And I met Hendrik faster than I would have wanted to. Um, but we just... What happened actually? Oh yeah. Uh oh yeah, that's it. I was I was in the bar of Boxen Park with a couple of friends, just having a chat, just catching up with them, and then someone said, Oh my friend Hendrik's gonna pop in. And I was like, oh that's an interesting name. Um, sounds exotic. And Hendrik walked in and I literally just remember standing up out of my seat and throwing my hand out to him. And looking him in the eye and going, hi, I'm Emma. (laughs) And he was like, "Uh, hi, I'm (laughs) Hendrik. Nice to meet you. Um, And he didn't tell me he was a pilot for quite some time. And, but after that, oh God, yeah, that was so funny. So after, um, after that little meeting, I didn't really talk to him, our first um, meet. Didn't really talk to him at all. But as I was leaving, he was standing outside and I got my monoski um, over my shoulder, and I was just heading to my car, and he was like, "Oh, there's a bit of there's a lot of banter that goes on between monoskiers and weight skaters. Um, weight skaters just think it's a bit geeky and a bit rubbish and not a proper sport type thing. Um, <laughs> and as I was leaving, he was like, Uh all right, you do that then." And then I went and said, Oh yeah, it's what the cool kids do. <laughs> oh, cringe. Oh, cringe. And I remember walking to my car and not looking back and being like, Emma, what on earth? What on earth made you say that? What on earth made you say that? So I got back to my car, um, drove home. And then next thing I knew, I was driving up to the lake, I think a few days later or maybe a week later. And I pass Hendrik on the road. Going up because I knew what to look. I knew I'd clocked his car. I knew what to look out for, and um, yeah, I clocked him driving up. And when I got to the lake, he arrived. I did my ski, and then he came over and we were chatting. And then I went to sit with him and chatted with his friends. Went and met his friends, and um, apparently, I apparently he'd never seen any human being drink so much water when we were chatting because just any period of silence when we were chatting, I would just drink water and swig water. (laughs) And afterwards he was like, I've never seen anyone drink that much water. I think I got through like a huge one and a half liter bottle. Um, I don't know in like 20 minutes or something. (laughs) So ridiculous. Uh, and then yeah, he asked me out on a date the next day. And that was the first time he told me he was a pilot because before he just said he worked in aviation. Um and it was quite nice because he wasn't braggy about it or anything and he just said, oh, I'd like to take you on a date, but I just need to fly to um I think he said Tunisia. I just need to fly to Tunisia first and back. And I remember thinking, I'm sorry, pardon, you just need to what now? Um, <laughs> cause I obviously had no idea what it was like to be married to a pilot. Um and I was like, Oh, okay. And he said, Yeah, I'll be back by noon um so I will uh, pick you up around oh, I think I drove to his actually or oh, you come to mine around two or something so that's what happened we went on our date he took me to this amazing place it was this huge hill which overlooked a um oh god uh, pa- uh not paragliding is it paragliding is that paragliding where they winch the planes up into the air they don't have engines is that oh my god I should know this I I really can't get my words out but that's where we went and we were watching these planes land and it was really beautiful it's amazing and we sat and we chatted on this rug had our first kiss um apparently he could see my knickers through my white dress (laughs) so that was highly embarrassing when he finally told me that And I was really burnt from the day before because we'd been talking so much that I looked like a flipping lobster. So obviously I wore a white dress to just enhance my lobster features for our first date. Um, But yeah, it was lovely. That's how we met. And then the rest is history. The rest is history. He used to come and see me in my lunch break in this job where I worked doing experiential marketing. And he used to take me out for lunch and we used to sit on a uh, grassy bank, literally on the side of the road pretty much. And he would bring me a packed lunch and it would have like muller corners, you know, those yogurts with really yummy, like crunchy bits and um, a sandwich and crisps and fruit and we'd have, just sit and eat our lunch together. And that's basically when we saw each other because we didn't really see each other otherwise. And then we lived um, basically for the next, how many years? 12, three, four years. Um, I would live two weeks in Luton with him and then two weeks in Devon doing all my yoga and my teaching and stuff. So I went back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, um doing stuff because what happened when I started teaching? God, this is probably far too much if you've signed up by now, sorry, but um when I started teaching yoga, I got a group of my mum's friends who wanted to do yoga and I obviously had very little confidence, but it bloomed and bloomed and bloomed and bloomed turned into a really big class. And then I just started doing more and more and more classes (laughs) when I should have really just done classes in Luton and started in Luton where we were going to (laughs) be. But I didn't. I started in Devon. So we ended up teaching in Devon and then just going back to Luton and doing that wonderful four and a half hour drive, which was pants. Um, So there you go. That's how I met Hendrik. And we got married in 2015. And it's 2020. 2020. And our, yeah, our wedding anniversary is in September as well. So it's a nice, it's a really nice month for us in September. Um, Oh, so one other thing I was going to mention to you is we, I don't know if I said this last week actually, but we have booked our flights to France. Have I said that? Did I say that? Um, I'll let you all know how the travel goes. I'm sure I have said that because I feel like those words coming out of my mouth. Um, ha- it's happened before. Anyway, I'm going to love you and leave you because it's been a wonderfully long podcast and I hope you've enjoyed my waffle. Thank you for all of your questions. Um, I hope it has been insightful. And um, I'll catch up with you guys again next week. I will do an earlier question call and perhaps even get some topics which are a little bit broader that you want me to talk about. um, And I will research them and get the information for you. So let me know um, if you've got anything that you want to talk about next week. And I will make sure I have all the relevant information ready to go and wisdom to share that I find, or if I need to ask people, at least give me time to ask people. (laughs) Um, so yeah, pop me those, pop me DMs on Mum Talk Podcast, probably the easiest, just keep it all in one place. Uh, if you want to follow along more day-to-day stuff that I'm doing with Amandine, then go on to Emma Jolin, which is E-M-M-A-J-A-U-L-I-N. I'll put a link in the show notes as well, so you can click through if you want to follow. Um, and I will try and do some more reviews and things on uh, Mum Talk Podcast. It's just really tricky. I find social media a really odd place to be right now, so... Uh, bear with me and yeah, I'll keep you updated on how I plan to um, widen this community or not widen just bring us closer together I guess bring us closer together have a lovely rest of your week please tag me, let me know you're listening Um, DM me uh, if you're having trouble conceiving and you feel rubbish, message me uh, it might take me a little time to get back to you, but I will, I will. I know I have a inbox full of messages I haven't replied to, and I'm really, really sorry, but I will. Uh, if you haven't yet, please rate and review. Leave me some lovely words. Um, I love reading them when I go onto iTunes and have a little check-in. If you listen on Spotify, you can still review. I just, um, I'm not really down with Spotify, I don't really... Uh, listen on it very much but maybe you can't even review there i don't actually know uh but yeah if you are on itunes then please do and spotify or wherever you listen then review and wait thank you very much <laughs> all right lots of love to you all and i will see you guys next week big big thank you for listening all the way to the end bye